0: Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I don't even know the name of my own podcast yet. This is like the fifth time I'm recording it. I don't have a smooth intro, Um, but it's better that way right now because uh, I got a really great host for you. Uh, I mean, guest, I'm sorry, guest host tonight. And his name is Dr. Matthew Betts. I am Dr. Edwin Porter, doctor of physical therapy. Dr. Matthew Betts is also a doctor of physical therapy. Right now in my head, I'm picturing the Spider-Man GIF uh, of them <laughs> looking at each other. <laughs> he is a physical therapist. He's a doctor of physical therapy, and he is a holder of a certification within the physical therapy field that only ten percent of the of the entire uh, profession has. And he's an he's an orthopedic clinical specialist. That's what I am aiming for, and that's what he has. And today we're going to talk about a few different players. Um, you can catch him on Twitter, by the way, at the Fantasy mm-hmm. PT at Redshirts all of his stuff is over at BallBlastFootball.com. He's also the FF Ballers injury expert. Um, he's at all those places. So after that sloppy introduction, uh, I'll let you uh, take it away. Did we miss anywhere that, you, uh, that you're at?
1: No, sir. I think you covered uh, all that, man. And I got to say, um, when I do on our show on the Red Shirts pod, whenever I try to introduce the show, I feel like so awkward whenever I do it anyway. Uh, yeah. So I like the natural just like, yeah, whatever comes off the tongue is fine uh intro so i love it man i'm super excited to join you tonight uh and like you said man with the spider man gif like a- everything that i see of your work i'm just like yeah i agree <laughs> so <laughs> right, uh, i think right, there'll right, be right. a lot of uh shared opinions on this show tonight
0: which is fun which is fun it's good to be challenged every now and then but it's it's one of those things where a lot of times we're saying the same thing uh, all of us i mean not just you like you know ethan turner uh even pro football doc uh we're all a lot of times saying the same thing maybe just in a different way. And I think that that maybe the, the listeners will sort of get that uh, coming from you. But the first thing I wanted to ask you is how's your Scott fishbowl roster looking, man?
1: Oh, it is going swimmingly. I am very excited about this team. Uh, I came in hot off the bat with Derek Henry. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got Michael Thomas, the 10th pick Derek Henry in round two. And then from there have been kind of going uh, early with running backs and then and wide receivers in the middle rounds. I'm a little shaky at quarterback. I don't love Tyrod as my quarterback three, um, but I like the team overall, and I think it's got it's got potential for sure.
0: What do you got against Ty God, man?
1: Oh man, I I am fading the Chargers <laughs> everywhere this season.
0: So sad, isn't it? Oh my god. Uh, they were. It's sad. I mean, ahead,
1: I do Ty. like I do like Eckler. I will say that, but oh, from right, a pass catching right. standpoint, yeah, man. I mean, with Tyrod, like I've been a supporter historically. And then I went back and looked at his numbers and I was like, good grief, man. This guy has never topped 20 passing yards in a season, uh, never topped more than 3,500 passing guards in a season. Like, what can we truly expect from the pass catchers there? I don't know. So so I've been fading them everywhere. Um, reluctantly, I did have to take Tyrod Taylor, though. However, maybe you can surprise me. We'll see.
0: Did you uh, take a second quarterback or are you going gonna to wing it on that side?
1: no i took uh i took two before him i'm trying to pull up my roster real quick he was my third he was like my oh, eh, I, guess, okay. I guess i guess that's fine
0: your, i was <laughs> gonna say you're stacked if you waited until tyrod to get to take a quarterback
1: no 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 i took let's see here i have carson Wentz, um and then I actually had joe burrow as my qb2 there was a, a crazy run on quarterbacks i was obviously on the wrong side of it there with the qb2 so we'll see I, i'm probably gonna be piecing it together throughout the season
0: well, this, it, at least with Tyrod, you know that uh, you sort of know what you're going to get, right? Even if it's a low floor type of situation, you at least know, like, hey, he's probably going to throw for, you know, maybe 3,000 yards, a few touchdowns. He might rush a little bit. Uh, I mean, he's a good floor player. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself for taking him. But that sort of leads me to the, the first question I wanted to talk to you about. Tyrod Taylor doesn't necessarily have injury, you know, st- any questions around him at all. And so, but you're able to analyze them pretty easily. How do you analyze? Because you wear, I I put in the script, I'm a one-trick pony. You wear two hats. You're a fantasy analyst and you're an injury analyst. So, what does that look like? What's your process look like when you analyze players uh, with from both perspectives?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, this industry is just full of so many awesome people and people that are just so good at what they do. And I sometimes kind of feel like I'm stuck in the middle, right? Where like, as PTs, you know, being injury experts, like that clearly is like my go-to thing, but down deep, man, I am a diehard football fan, a fantasy football junkie to the core. So um I play a ton of of you know fantasy football. I play DFS, I play season long, I play dynasty. So I'm in the thick of it. And to me, like I, I just kind of felt like I was stuck in just the injury section. Uh fortunately, the fantasy footballers gave me a chance to kind of branch out more. And then since then started podcasting. And um, man, it just feels like every year there's more that I'm doing. But I think being both at the same time is very unique in this industry in that you know they're you're able to kind of blend the two together where every article that i write even though it might not be injury focused quote unquote still has some injury information in it maybe about the depth players uh front of a certain player uh maybe a certain player's injury history so to speak so i feel like it lets us as you know pts and as injury professionals be able to have a leg up on our league mates and therefore our listeners our consumers Of our written content can really kind of get a leg up in a way that other analysts can't really provide so that's been fun to dive into that and definitely keeps me busy man for sure
0: that's a that's a really great explanation for that so what would you say um what is it about physical therapists why are we so good at analyzing injuries why are we qualified to do this in the first place what's your answer for that
1: yeah i think the easiest answer is just we see this every single day right um a player might be three months out from an ACL surgery and other people see this person running on a treadmill and they're like, this is fantastic. And it is, but you and I say, well, yeah, that's what they should be doing right now. Right. So I think being able to understand what matters and what doesn't matter when injury blurbs come out or when kind of injury updates come out, because we see these things in the clinic, Every single day, you know, I I see ACL injuries all the time, meniscus injuries, rotator cuff repairs, ankle sprains. I mean, you name any football injury and you and I are seeing this in the clinic right in front of us. So um, whenever an injury recovery doesn't go the way it necessarily should, we also see that. So we understand that side of things. And I feel like it just gives us um, that credibility, right? Because you're there with the athlete, you're there with the person, and you know really what it's going to take to get back on the field
0: exactly i think that's a really good way of boarding it and one of the things it's not so much that uh people don't that's i wouldn't say people don't trust us i think that we just generally as a profession don't do a great job of, of expressing what it is we do on a daily basis so i think people are sort of left to like well yeah you're a physical therapist but like what does that mean but you know i think if you read you if you read two paragraphs of something that you write on uh, on your injury you know analysis that's uh, I mean, that's, you're some pretty good stuff. That's some deep diving stuff. And I think that the second that people sort of read into any, you know, read any of our, our content or listen to any of our content, they can tell right away, like you said, it's something that we see every day. Um, and I mean, you're one of my influences, you, and I mean, you're one of the first PTs out there to start doing this. And so um, you definitely know what you're talking about. You definitely are good at, at what you do. And I think that if more fantasy players could sort of maybe see us and, and get bigger exposure right if we expose ourselves to to the fantasy community at large then we can sort of continue to make strides forward as a profession in general just to let people know what we do because guess what folks a little plug here you can go see a physical therapist in most states without a physician referral right can you do that that's portfolio? true
1: Yes, I'm in Vermont and we had, we do have direct access. That's what that's called for the listeners. Uh, yeah, people come in all, off the street all the time uh, and we're the first person that sees them. So yeah, man, I think that's a great point. And I really appreciate you saying that Um, I've been influenced to you, man. And the same, you know, vice versa. Seeing your work has inspired me and like continues to open my eyes too to different things and it's awesome. And, and uh, the thing that I love best about like being in the fantasy space and also being a PT is just seeing other people, other people that are PTs, you're like man what you guys are doing is so unique i'm going to give it a shot too and and that feels so good to hear people say because you know there's a reason to why we do this and it's truly to help people so um it's awesome man i, I truly love it
0: Awesome, awesome. Well that's that's enough love fest of our own profession, right? <laughs> I yeah, let's, let's get to the football. I, let's get to the football. <laughs> so moving on to the specific injury outlooks, right? Because that's why people are here. People are people wanna maybe pick both of our brains and see what your opinion is. People who are listening probably know what my opinion is on these guys, but I wanted to get get your thoughts on Sony Michelle specifically. And I wish I had his uh Twitter name pulled up because he Jake is his name. He's actually a PT student. He asks a ton of great questions. And his question was, do you think that Sony Michelle will be ready by week one? His uh, his Twitter name is at JSnake underscore DFF. And he wants to know, do y'all think Sony starts week one or is it too soon to tell?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit too soon to tell. But based off what I was reading in regards to Sony's foot surgery, it was kind of described as a um, maintenance type of procedure, which typically that doesn't really alarm people that much but for a player like Sony Michelle, right I mean we have to talk about his injury history when we talk about the foot too going back to college he has a, a history of ankle injuries and we can see those become problematic down the road and, and potentially this is related to that on top of that of course we know the the ACL hit, uh, history of the injury from high school meniscus injury had to have the uh, the knee drained because of swelling a couple seasons ago it's just a long history man and to say sony is going to be ready for week 1 might not be that big of a stretch but do i trust him in 2020 or beyond i really don't
0: yeah and i think that's one of the things to to that think people don't consider and it's again it's another aspect of something that we do right cuz we're like part diagnostician part strength and conditioning professional you know part this and that. So, so part of our job is knowing and sort of getting a feel for what can a person do athletically? What does their physical movement look like? And what, what is their athletic capability? And I think that's something that you have to consider when you look at Sony Michelle um, and, then, and another player we'll talk about here just a little bit, but you're not just looking at, oh, are they healthy and can they stay healthy? You're looking at, okay, how did, the, how did those surgeries and injuries affect this person? And are those injury miles, quote unquote miles, starting to rack up? And I think that's sort of, sort of your point to what you're saying about Sony. Um, so that's good. That's a good breakdown. This yeah, next what are your, guy, what are your thoughts on Sony? I agree. you know what I, I, I tend to agree with what you just said. Um it's not a stretch to imagine he's gonna be ready by week one. It's not a stretch to imagine that he will be healthy at that point. But I think that the, like you said, the the or you didn't really say that, I guess, but you sort of alluded to it that it's everything piles up and everything sort of piled up for him. I think he's had like he's had like two two knee aspirations and a scope since his acl surgery in high school and that's obviously not ideal um that's when you get into you get get into the area the todd Gurley knee right you sort of are really at risk for getting that arthritic knee that symptomatic arthritic knee for sony michelle and it's it's funny to say you know at i think he's 25 years old um he's really starting to age as a running back uh he considering all the injury mileage that he has uh, he's not necessarily an ideal candidate, and like you said, I I don't know how much I can actually trust him from from a performance aspect in 2020. For sure. This Nick and I'm trying. I, I'm going back and forth. We'll 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 go to to guys. I feel like we're both going to have something to say about this guy, but I really want to get your opinion on your overall opinion on Darius Geis. I, just yesterday, um, there was a picture that our boy uh, 24/7 Fantasy I think tweeted it. Uh, it's uh, you see his massive hamstrings <laughs> you see Darius guys massive hamstrings and uh, some people were sort of hyping hyping him up gassing him up and I want to know what what are your thoughts for for guys you know even dating back to last year and leading up to 2020 what what are your thoughts on him and how he can look, what he will look like this year
1: yeah guys is he's not skipping leg day man oh uh, my gosh those hamstrings are like the size of my head honestly he's not um leg. but all that being said uh, Geis is a very difficult player to talk about from a, a fantasy perspective and then an injury perspective, because without injuries, like I was super excited about this guy coming out of LSU. Very good uh, runner of the football. Obviously, he was drafted to be that in the second round, but we know this story, right? So he has the ACL uh, injury in the left knee in the preseason in his rookie year, has the infection. And of course, that delays what you can do in rehab, right? So a normal um, recovery, if you're at like four or five months and you're starting to do more athletic movements, you're on track. Well, for Darius Geis, he wasn't really able to do that. And so his, you know, whenever he started jumping, whenever he started cutting, whenever he started doing football-specific drills, it was delayed relative to someone else coming off an ACL. So looking at the calendar coming into 2020, it was really never going to be the year for Darius Geis. He, he really didn't have much of a shot. Tore the meniscus, and this was a lateral meniscus tear in the opposite knee in week one against my Philadelphia Eagles, has surgery to repair it. So now you're talking about two injuries that eventually lead to arthritis down the line. And then on top of that, another MCL sprain in the left knee. So both knees are a concern. Short term, I'm not that concerned. Like I think Darius Geis is way, way above where he was last year from a health perspective. But again, it's like Sony, right? It's starting to pile up. He's carried the ball like 45 times in the NFL or something like that. So we haven't seen anything from this guy. And then on top of that, this is kind of where wearing two hats comes into play, right? The Washington football team is not projected to be great this year, especially um, on the ground, given that they have 14 running backs on the depth chart. So all that to say That's- for Darius Geis, man, I'm rooting for him. I like to root for a guy like that. But you just look at the the historical data with running backs that don't produce early in their career and if he produces at all and he comes out and he's something for us in fantasy he will be an outlier
0: that's exactly i i couldn't have worded it better better myself there the the thing and so you just laid out all of the all of the things that he's carrying around right all of the the injuries and the situation and you really put it and packaged it nicely the The argument for him, which I don't necessarily see really working out necessarily to making him an RB one or anything like that, I think that what he can do is stay healthy. I think that he can he can he can stay relatively healthy, but I think it's going to come at the cost of volume. I think it's going to potentially come at the cost of goal line work. Um, like you said, they still have you know a million year old Adrian Peterson on the <laughs> roster. Like, what <laughs> is going on with that? You know, Adrian Peterson. Dude, amazing. There's a there was a i forgot what what week was it that he he rushed for like a, it was like a seventy yard rush or something adrian Peterson did, but he oh I remember like, that last year, yeah, he had like eighty nine yards rushing the whole game, but like he had <laughs> like a sixty or seventy yard rush and yes like they're bringing that guy back like no disrespect to Adrian Peterson obviously he's a H- instant hall of famer you know first ballot, but he's just he's thirty five years old you know what I mean he's not the same as what he used to be, but they're bringing that guy back um they signed Peyton Barber, um all of these things are adding up for Darius Geis, and initially I was supposed to make the case for him, and I just keep pour, you know, pouring it on, but the one thing that I will say that, that helps Darius Geis is A, his athleticism, and B, his draft capital, since we know that the, the number one predictor of performance just in general in the NFL is draft capital and athleticism. So those are what he has working in his favor. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate to fantasy success because there's a huge difference, and you know this, there's a huge difference between being a good NFL running back and contributing to a a professional team and then being a fantasy consistent fantasy contributor. And like you were saying, I don't exactly know where to gauge Darius Geis as a whole, but I do think that his ceiling is capped this year.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I will say, too, um, I was just on, I don't know when this, uh, podcast drops Edwin but I was just on uh, the FF face off uh, Podathon for Hayden Hurst Foundation which was an awesome event put on by my good friends Anthony Cervino and Michael Hoff uh, check that out they did a fantastic job I had the privilege of somehow being able to be on the show with Stefania Bell and oh, when yeah, we talked I about saw, Darius Geis she said I've heard some rumblings that I'm not sure his work ethic is there so I don't know I mean that's not me I, I have no idea about really? that Wow. But I don't that's know. Crazy. I mean, that's that's possibly a factor. Um, again, I don't have any knowledge of that. Obviously, you and I are just kind of analyzing things from the outside looking in. But uh, when she said that, I was like, wow, really? Because you, you see this all on social media and stuff, right? So you would think that that's not the case, but who knows?
0: Hashtag grinding. They're always hashtag grinding, right? Oh, hashtag, yeah. Oh, hashtag yeah. Footwork. They're always <laughs> putting in that footwork. And the thing Absolutely. is, too, that's a really interesting uh, comment because, you know, Matthew Barry probably has some sort of in, you know, inward connections to the Washington football team. And uh, that obviously probably trickles down to Stefania. So, I mean, that that actually sort of that sort of does it for me. That sort of makes me lean in that direction that I, I, I it makes it cast another shadow of doubt over Darius Geis so and it's funny that you say the work ethic thing considering that the first picture of darius guys on wikipedia is him winking like smiling and winking at the camera like sort of a little bit of an uh, a little bit of an arrogant look and that's hilarious that <laughs> I, I was looking at that picture when you made that comment and i was like what the hell like my jaw dropped i said that's so funny like that's hilarious if that's actually the case but we both we both are i would say i would call us we are cautiously optimistic if that if that makes sense maybe maybe you don't relate to that phrase but that's how i personally feel about darius guys to to sort of no that's that's spot on this let's let's end on a good note with this these these three these first three injury uh people well maybe it's on a good note we'll see what do you think about hollywood brown here is this question and the person who asked it is let's see it is at underscore westonia n so W-E-S-T-O-N-I-A, capital N, and then another underscore, said, what kind of season do you predict Hollywood has now that his foot is screw-free?
1: Yeah, Hollywood Brown, man, I am rising on him quite a bit for fantasy, uh, especially given what happened last year coming off of the the Liz Frank surgery. Um, Obviously, he was banged up, right? He was kind of in and out of the lineup. They tried to limit his snap count, and he missed time because of an ankle injury, And, and now... We're hearing reports that all last season, he dealt with that screw in his foot, giving him problems, which is actually pretty common with that surgery. He has surgery again to remove the screw. And while we don't really like our players to keep having repeated surgeries, this is one where you bank on it being beneficial, because if a player has uh, pain, discomfort, usually it's with cutting and explosive movements. Obviously, being an NFL player, that happens. The screw being removed usually helps a lot, like a ton. So Hollywood Brown entering 2020 is going to be the healthiest he's been in the last year and a half. Um, I am very excited about him. I think he and Lamar Jackson could do very exciting things this year. And I have virtually no concerns about his availability on the football field compared to last year, you know, entering his rookie season. I was definitely telling people to pump the brakes quite a bit. So I'm optimistic on Hollywood. I think he's going to have a great season.
0: So I think that you just nailed it perfectly, and everything that you just said um, lines up perfectly with what the what their data says. I know it's a very very limited sample here. We had like thir- I think it's thirty five NFL players that showed in their fir- NFL players coming off of list Frank surgery in their first year. Their production dips 21 now obviously he was a rookie so there's nothing to compare his data to but essentially uh what we're saying is the first year back is everything exactly what you said it's probably painful it's probably difficult to to make explosive movements considering he's a burner you know that's really that's 90 of his job is trying to outrun dudes and the fact that in 2019 he still averaged he averaged about nine half ppr points as a rookie you know as and he's basically the de facto i mean would you call him the de facto number one wide out in, in baltimore in 2020
1: oh absolutely i mean it's all semantics right because if you call him the first the number one wide out then you say well is it mark andrews or is it him but regardless right, right. he's the top wide receiver no question
0: yeah so i think with all that said everything that you just mentioned um i'm, I'm super high on hollywood brown and i took him in the scott fishbowl i'm hoping he's going to lead me to the promised land with a few touchdowns, nice. what, So
1: what round did you have to take him in
0: look at it i think that it was like round um let's see it might have been like i'm not even gonna try to guess i'll find that and uh and i'll and i'll let you know but uh, i was just curious there's another uh another question that i forgot to mention from at dom (laughs) ffl and he he said uh he said, talk these scrubs off the guy ledge. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> say, I wouldn't, I don't want to say that anybody taking Darius Geiss is a scrub. And like, I haven't even looked at the ADP. Um, so, you know, people could be super high on Geis, and that could just mean that they're taking him as like a flex, right? And if somebody's taking him as a flex, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to necessarily, I'm not going to necessarily like dog on somebody for taking him at. As a flex so I don't know what where let's I guess we can put a bow on it there with with guys where would you put guys where would you drop guys if it's like a 12 team standard league
1: yeah I think you'd probably have to fall to like round eight round nine for me to go in on him um, I think last time I looked this could be incorrect but last time I looked his ADP was hovering right around I want to say the seventh round and so it mostly depends on roster construction at that point if you take him like you said as your flex or an RB3 I'm fine with it but um, anyone out there going zero RB that wants to try to like target Geis, it's risky. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable with him as my RB, 2 I'll just say that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree 100%. That's uh, that's where we are with Geis. And I still can't find where I took Hollywood Brown, but I'm going to find that in all my can <laughs> We can move on. By the on end of the that. show. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I, okay, here's the deal. Here's the confession. I have not, up until this year, I had never used MFL not once like i didn't know how to i didn't know how to use it I didn't know how to navigate it and i feel like it's clunky and and that's not to talk crap on it but it uses mfl i just for me personally i don't feel like it's really intuitive and so i can't even find like my my draft where i like the where i where i took all these dudes and like i'm still learning how to navigate it which is why it's taking me forever but i promise i'll find it I I'll i'm find gonna it. find
1: it for you before you before you found oh, it dude, you probably
0: will <laughs> but the next question here okay so you wrote about Terry McLaurin or you t- I don't remember if you tweeted about him or you wrote about him. I think you said Terry McLaurin is gonna be a, you didn't you didn't use the words league winner, but you basically are high on Terry McLaurin. So talk to me about why Terry McLaurin, and I'm gonna word it this way now. My question is why is Terry McLaurin a league winner?
1: Yeah, I love it. Um real quick, pause. <laughs> I found it. You took him at the 7-Eleven.
0: <laughs> there you go. I took him at the 7-Eleven, man. I think it's gonna be a league winner. Uh, thanks for you you run all my teams on uh, on MFL. I'll just give <laughs> you my password, you can figure it out. How did you find that? What the heck?
1: Oh, that's on the uh, shout out to Josh Hornsby at Josh uh, ADHD on Twitter. He put together that Scott Fishbowl app, and you can go on that and look up your team, um, and it pulls it up in a graphic for you.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I just clicked. I'll send it. you. Okay, oh, gonna... oh, okay, there you go. I was going to send, yeah, send me the link. link. Send me the link. I think I'm, I think I'm there, but send me the link. That's hilarious. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm 57. Uh, I'm a 57 year old boomer here trying. to Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> back to Terry McLaurin. Yes, I am very very high. On Terry McLaurin, what we saw last year was not a fluke. I mean, anyone that comes out and produces at that level with Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins as a rookie is not a fluke. I mean, the, the advanced analytics show that as well. You look at pro football focuses metrics, and, and my favorite predictive metric and stat that they use is yards per route run. And you look at rookies that are in um, the two plus, so 2.01, 2.02, et cetera, yards per route run. If you're above that two uh, 2.0 mark, it is like Hall of Fame level players. I mean, we're talking Julio Jones, Roddy White, Calvin Johnson. We're talking about the best of the best. And he was in that um, that metric going back to PFF, their grading system that they used um, last season. These are the top seven names that were on, on the list, right? So it's uh, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown for that one game he played. Um, we're looking at guys like, let me see. I lost the spot here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, we're looking at guys
0: with Julio Jones. I mean, that's saying something.
1: Yeah. And and the names on the list, man, it's just insane. I'll I'll tweet it out because I can't find it right now. I lost my spot. But anyway, he's putting up numbers that you just don't see as a rookie. And what did they do to address the position in the draft? Not a ton, right? They they added Antonio Gandy-Golden, who's a Liberty um, graduate. He's fine for what he is, but I'm not sure that anyone really is going to compete with him for targets there. And we can't forget that Dwayne Haskins, yes, he struggled last year, but he just two years ago lit up the Big Ten in Ohio State threw for over 50 touchdown passes. So the two played together in college. He excelled in year one. There is no one to take away targets. Terry McLaurin, I think is an absolute screaming value uh, in the middle rounds of drafts this year. I want him on every single roster.
0: I can dig it. Now I want you to make the case against him. Oh why will he why will he well, be a league loser now? <laughs> Got to tell him, I, doc, if tell I me.
1: if I could make the case, I will try. However, I don't mean any of these words listeners. Um, <laughs> no. I, I'm just kidding. In reality
0: This is going to be the headliner, the little promotional all the crap you're about to oh, talk the corn, all the shit oh, gosh. You're about to talk, I'm going to put it on there.
1: <laughs> I just Go found ahead. the names by the way. Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, and Antonio Brown were the seven names above him in PFF's grades last year. But To make the case against Terry McLaurin, it's the offense, right? It's the team in general. We know that there's question marks on that entire depth chart. Can Dwayne Haskins get it done? We haven't seen a ton yet. Yes, he showed some promise last year. But if you're putting full faith in Dwayne Haskins, then there is some concern with that. So in an ideal scenario for me, Terry McLaurin is my wide receiver two or three. And currently ADP allows you to draft him as such. But I will say there is some concern about the quarterback play. No doubt about it.
0: I think that's a, exactly what I would say. Um, that's exactly what I would say. It's just that such an a questionable offense in general, just a questionable team in general. And I feel like uh, if there's going to be any type of bright spot, because I tend to agree with you. I think Terry McLaurin's screaming value. But if uh, if there's going to be a bright spot, it's probably going to be, be Terry McLaurin uh, in that offense, considering just everything everything else around. Who do you think is going to be the wide receiver too, by the way? This isn't on the... Uh, this isn't on the script, but I'm just curious. Who do you think be, who will be the the most productive receiver behind him?
1: Yeah, it's a tough call. I feel like it's probably going to be, um, this term doesn't really exist, but wide receiver by committee, right? Like I think Steven Sims has probably the best chance because of what we saw last year. Um, and I've seen some articles out there talking about, uh, the team liking him quite a bit. Um, he would be the guy I would put some, my money on. They also don't really have a tight end to speak of other than Jeremy Sprinkle. So, I think it's going to be Terry McLaurin's gig and maybe Steven Sims, Trey Quinn kind of helping out Kelvin Harmon there a little bit too. But for me it's it's Sims as the wide receiver too.
0: Sorry, that one that was that was a, a, an off guard question I caught you on, but I was curious because we had to talk in football. I started thinking thinking about these things and I was like, oh, I'll ask him. So no, I love it. We can move on to another player here. We'll we'll flip flop between again, you're wearing both hats here. So from an injury perspective, what do you think about Tevin Coleman and why is he is he a risk to, to be rostered?
1: He is a risk to be rostered and no one's talking about it. So I'm I'm really excited that you brought it up um, to try to help out our listeners get a, a, a leg up on their competition, so to speak.
0: We You're can't forget.
1: Oh, well, yeah, we, we can't forget <laughs> what happened in the playoffs, right? Two weeks before the Super Bowl, Tevin Coleman dislocates his shoulder, right? It's his right shoulder, kind of fell on an outstretched arm. Classic mechanism for a shoulder dislocation. Didn't have surgery initially. He was active for the Super Bowl, but didn't really do much. Now, this is a question I have for you because I haven't been able to find these details anywhere. Do you know if he had surgery on that shoulder?
0: I do not know if he had surgery on that shoulder, but the last time that I had looked, he hadn't had surgery, and uh, that would it would surprise me if he did. You know, but we there's no no word that he did, especially. Obviously, he didn't before the Super Bowl, obviously, right. but then usually those guys will turn around and have like right after the Super Bowl or like soon after they'll have surgery if they were going to. And I didn't hear any word that, that he did.
1: Yeah. And and the reason I bring that up is like, of course, he's not going to have that now. Right. Because there's no way he'd be ready for the football season, um, given that it's mid-July. But with football, I mean, it is so, so, so rare for a player to have a shoulder dislocation and then not have surgery to address presumably a torn labrum in the shoulder. And what our listeners what we're referring to is a little tiny piece of um, fiber cartilage that kind of helps to make the shoulder joint more stable so that there is a reduced risk of dislocating the shoulder again, the first and, and the biggest risk is in the first season back on the field. So for Tevin Coleman, you know, that shoulder is definitely a concern. Obviously football is a contact sport that elevates the risk in general. And we can't forget too. He has a history of ankle injuries, right? He skipped the NFL combine as a rookie because of an ankle surgery he's missed time previously from a high ankle sprain most recently last year so no one's talking about tevin coleman but the risk certainly is there now i wish we had like definitive answers as to yes he did have surgery or not obviously if he didn't have surgery that's a huge huge red flag concern i'd be shocked if he didn't uh but even with the surgery the risk is there
0: the most frustrating thing about in my opinion about that 49ers backfield is that Shanahan rosters like a million fucking running backs. And so, like, you can't even say, oh, you should go and get, you know, I don't know, Jeff Wilson, because then Jeff Wilson is just going to split carries with Raheem Moster, who's going to, you know, if he stays, uh who's going to split carries with potentially Jarek McKinnon, who's going to split carries with whatever, you know, Chipotle employee that they're going to bring <laughs> off the street. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, like, from a oh, fantasy yeah. perspective, it's the most. <laughs> like infuriating thing when they go running back by committee. But hey, it's, I mean, it's, it's working for him and it's worked for them. So there's no reason to dog him for it, I guess.
1: So I take it you're out on Raheem Mostert then.
0: You know, I don't know. I look at a guy and you tweeted this, actually, you were like, imagine being 28 years old, you know, undrafted or whatever he was, been on however many teams. And I think about that and that's so true on like so many levels. It's like how much faith, and I know that had to do with him, you know, asking for a trade. And then details came out that he'd really just wanted to get paid what everybody else did on the team, which I I get it to a certain extent, but from a performance standpoint, I don't like, I can't see him necessarily repeating those monster games that he had, uh, especially if he doesn't get the volume. But then again, you look at, and you, you look around and you're like, Oh, it's, you know, what's Jarek McKinnon going to do? Who's also 28 years old, who also has had multiple knee surgeries and injuries. And then you look at Tevin Coleman, it's like, I, it's a backfield that, by the end of the season, you legitimately could be like, when in one of those situations where you're like, "Holy shit, I'm starting Jeff Wilson at my RB." Team. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just one of those. And it's just a backfield in the early rounds, anyway, that I, I personally want to want to stay away from. Do, yeah,
1: do you, I'm, how do you I'm with you in general. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. That. I mean, last year, Tevin Coleman saw 15 carries inside the 10, Raheem he uh, off off top of my head, I want to say had four. Um, it's just. It's a backfield that you don't know what you're going to get any given week. It could be, like you said, Jeff Wilson. could be Raheem Mostert. I'm not willing to really go in on this backfield. I'm probably going to take the cheapest option and hope. Um, but, man, I feel like in, in fantasy football, people just get so locked into the recency bias, right? And what we saw last year in the oh, playoffs man, yeah. was Raheem Mostert going absolutely ham <laughs> in that playoff game he for four touchdowns. That's true. Yes. So uh, if that's what you're expecting... I'm definitely out
0: if that's what you're expecting don't yes. <laughs> don't expect that <laughs> so okay so then moving on here to uh one of your articles over at ff ballers if you want to check out uh uh his article over at uh the ff ballers I think it is on I'll put it in the show notes um, I have it here in front of me but it's on drew Locke, and you are not a fan can you tell me why you're not a fan
1: yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Drew Locke this season. I will say in Dynasty, I'm I'm intrigued by him, for sure. Uh, especially with what they did in the draft. But I mean you listen to other people talk about Drew Locke and talk about what he did last year and how um exciting it is. But the reality is he played against very bad passing defenses when he won, and when he performed, he only eclipsed two hundred and eight passing yards in one game. That was against the Houston Texans, who didn't really have a secondary to speak of. So I'm not saying that he can't be good. I'm just not willing to take him as like quarterback 13, 14, 15, where the rest of the industry seems to have him, and and people are just so hyped about the Broncos. We also can't forget, it's a weird offseason. Who knows what training camp is going to look like, right? And what did they do? They brought in Jerry Judy, which is fantastic. He's a great prospect. They also signed his college um, tight end, Albert O. Then they bring in Penn State's uh, Speedster, KJ Hamler. So everything says that they're going out to support Drew Locke. And like I said, in Dynasty, I love it. But those are all rookies or second year players. When you talk about Noah Fant, third year wide receiver in Cortland Sutton, who's a stud. But outside of that, like I'm just not convinced that it's going to happen this year. I think the Denver Broncos are potentially overvalued um, in general in fantasy. I want to see more from Drew Locke before I can truly take him and feel comfortable with him in fantasy
0: but he was did you not see the video of him uh uh to <laughs> like have you not seen that i don't i don't understand if you're not including that in your analysis and i, just, I don't really know if i can trust you um yeah dude i, I love we'll that, that, that by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's actually fantastic that's fantastic. so
1: fun to root for like i said i hope he succeeds man because yeah. i would rather be wrong i have him in a couple of dynasty leagues so i'm 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 hopeful i'm excited but in redraft 2020 i am not touching drew Locke.
0: Yeah. I, I don't blame you on that. I think that's, that's pretty good reason. Pretty good rationale. Uh, it's just the entire Broncos offense. Like you said, is just like, meh. And I, this isn't, I didn't, again, another one that I didn't put on the list, but since we sort of already answered the last question uh, about Darius Geis, about whether he'll be top 15 or not, which by the way, would you say top 15 or not top 15?
1: No, so I would say below that.
0: 15.5,
1: 14.5. No, I'm going over.
0: Okay. Okay. That's, I agree. That We don't have to spend a lot more time on that. So the but what i was going to ask you about is another player who i put this dude in my over at fantasypoints.com in my yellow light tier i think he's at the, like the very towards the bottom of the yellow light tier uh and it's melvin gordon he's had inter he's had he had like that oats. i think he, i think he had the oats procedure where they did like the they drilled the holes in his knee and then the they whatever whatever the heck you call it um and then he has he's had like a, a history of ankle surgeries. Um, He's going to be 28 this year, I believe, and he is the undisputed, allegedly, undisputed RB1 in Denver. How do you think his body holds up and what do you think he looks like this year?
1: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting conversation because I'm... I think I'm more in than out on Melvin Gordon. Um, it's it's sort of tricky because where he's going currently in ADP, I find myself passing every time and taking a wide receiver instead because of the value that's there. But in my rankings, I have, I think off the top of my head, I have him at like 15 this year. So I think he can be productive for one more season. But like you said, his injury history is real. He is 28. We know research across the board supports that as players get older at the running back position, their production dips and he's entering that age where that happens so there is certainly some concern i think the yellow light uh, narrative is is perfect for him because he does miss time he has had surgeries you talked about it with the the oats procedure which for our listeners basically a surgeon goes into the knee joint and kind of drills holes in the cartilage to try to stimulate um, healing and um, stimulate new cartilage growth and so that procedure specifically does not bode well for long-term success in the NFL, especially at the running back position. So he's already an outlier from what he's doing at this age. Um, I think in redraft, I'm in because he's been so, so fantastic around the goal line. He's going to score touchdowns. He's also excelled as a pass-catching option historically with the Chargers. So there's a lot to like, but there's certainly a lot to be like, is it really going to be it for Melvin Gordon? I'm not sure. So I'm kind of hedging with my running back 15 ranking of him. But like I said, I just see wide receivers all around him in ADP that I'm like, mm, I'll pass.
0: I couldn't have said it better myself. And just for, for the listeners here, I was wrong. He actually, he actually didn't have an oats procedure. He had a micro fracture. Oh, he? he had the micro fracture, which I, so for, for the listeners, it doesn't semantics, it doesn't really right? <laughs> but yeah. For you guys, it doesn't really matter, but, but um, uh, what, what Matt was just saying is that it's, it, that's exactly right. Like that he's already an outlier. The fact that he had, that's a pretty serious surgery that he's coming back from. And at 27 years old going on 28, um, that's something that you just need him to watch for. So that's sort of an impromptu question, but yeah, you did a perfect job of answering it. Um, let's see here. So this is super fun. God, I love just hearing you talk to, you know, echo chamber. I like hearing my own opinions, you know, echoed back at me, but you, <laughs> you've also given me a lot of good novel information that i hadn't considered before about a lot of these guys too. So I appreciate that. So before we move on to this lightning round though, what do you have any other players that you want to talk about or any teams or situations, anything injury or non-injury related at all?
1: Hmm. Let me get your thoughts. We'll, we'll flip the script a little bit. I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on um, Evan Ingram this season? Oh. Cause he's a player that everyone asks me about. And I find it just so tricky to answer their question because the range of outcomes with him is massive, right? When he's on the field, You could argue he's probably a top three as far as talent uh, pass catching tight end in the entire league, but obviously the injury history is real and he's coming off the Liz Frank surgery. So what are your thoughts there with Emin Ingram?
0: I think it's such a good question. I think you worded it perfectly, though, is that he's just he's just risky. You know, he's he's in my opinion, he is volatile, Uh, even though he's extremely athletic. He's extremely productive when he's on the field. He not only is coming off the list, Frank, but he's actually had two concussions already since he's been in the league. And then the MCL, which, you know, he's had a couple MCL injuries. They worry you a little bit, but not as much as the concussions in the list, Frank. So when you look at just the idea that he's had two concussions already, you know, that's obviously on its own, a standalone thing that you have to worry about that you don't have to worry about with other guys. There's no athleticism in the world. That's going to change the fact that he's had two concussions. What, In my opinion, what can mitigate the 21% drop in production that we see in NFL players after a list Frank injury um, in their first year back, which is what, what Evan Ingram had, like you mentioned, is is athleticism. So athleticism can help them, you know, because, you know, what's a 21% of scoring 20, you know, PPR points per game? You know, that's not, especially with the tight end landscape, that's, you'll still probably take that at a pretty early When you look at Evan Ingram. Look at that twenty-one percent drop off in production after the List Frank injury. Right, he's sort of on the opposite trajectory that we that Hollywood Brown is on. Hollywood Brown's in the second year, the after the surgery, and, and Evan Ingram's going to be in his first year. So that's something that you really have to consider. But what you know you can look at is the fact that he Evan Ingram is so athletic that he can mitigate some of that production dip. Um, he can play through some pain. Not to say that we necessarily advocate for that or anything like that. But if you know a twenty a twenty percent production dip when you average 20 PPR points per game, you know, especially given the, t- the tight end landscape, you might still take that. So <laughs> that's a long way to say uh, I took him in Scott Fishbowl. I think I took him in the fifth round. I think I, it was sort of a panic pick and then I picked up Caden Smith in like the millionth round. Um, so if that, I guess if that t- sort of tells you where my mind is is that I'm willing to roster in Scott Fishbowl Caden Smith, uh, you know, that's something to consider. But I think that at some point, Evan Ingram is so athletic and such a good talent that you have to take him. You know, at, at a certain point, and I I don't quite know if I have figured out. I think fifth is probably too early for a lot of people. I think I probably should have waited a little longer. There was a run on tight ends, and I panicked. But um, I think that sometime after the fifth round, especially, uh, I would I would consider Evan Ingram. Um, but it's not. He's definitely volatile, and he's definitely got. A ton of yellow and even red flags to consider you know he's not a slam dunk to 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 put up great numbers for you or be consistent for you which is what matters for fantasy and that's sort of where I stand with him
1: yeah I think that makes sense uh, I've recommended people you know if, if you are an even Ingram fan and you're like this guy is going to be fantastic um, what I've recommended and, and I'm not sure what your thoughts are is in redraft leagues you know just wait don't even bother drafting like either Either let someone else draft him and then maybe try to buy low after like the first month of the season and let him acclimate back on the field or in dynasty, especially. I love buying like right now before the excitement comes out in training camp that he's on the field and and all that stuff. And then just understand it might not be 2020 where you see the true ceiling for him, but I feel like in 2021, if he can get it right, man, he's going to be good
0: that's yeah that's i's perfectly worded too i guess i should have mentioned and that that's what i was talking about is in a redraft um but in dynasty yeah definitely that's what i said too cuz i did a a breakdown on him over at fantasypoints.com and that's essentially what i said is like if you're going to take evan ingram uh his his floor i guess or his his perceived floor Is probably never going to be lower. I mean, it could be lower after 2020, but this is a pretty good time to go out and try to add him to your roster if you're looking to take him, because that is, uh, this is exactly like he could still ball out, you know, in, in 2020 or be average. You know, like I said earlier, average for him could be, you know, 15, 16 fantasy points PPR per game, and that's more than enough for a tight end. So, Yeah, I think if you're going to go get him and there's somebody willing or maybe not willing to roster him themselves, uh, you should definitely jump all over that. Yeah, love it. Okay, so I'm looking at where I took Evan Ingram. And I can't find it. So I'm still learning how to um, use this Scott Fishpole app. So I will figure it out, but I'll tweet five, it out. 511. <laughs> 511, <laughs> you have it right in front of you. You're the best. <laughs> so I took him 511. So it was at the end of the fifth round, which is probably still too. Okay, now I see it. Yeah, geez, i the worst. Um, yeah, so 511, that was probably too too soon uh, in most leagues, even tight end premium leagues. Uh, I wouldn't take him before the 511. Uh, it doesn't sound like Doc would take him before 511 either. So, you know draft at your own risk that was good though that was that was good that was a good one so this next round though is going to be uh a little bit of uh a little bit of shaking it up from fantasy and i just want you to answer no context uh i I want you to and i sent you these before maybe you have your answers ready but i don't want you to give any context you're going to pick this or that okay
1: all right i'm ready all right hip-hop or k-pop oh hip-hop
0: oh i sort of tagged you as like a k-pop guy okay dynasty or redraft
1: (laughs) Can I answer? Yes, um, <laughs> I love both. Redraft to me just has that special like July August feel to it. I'm gonna go redraft, but I love both.
0: Totally, sort of like opening day, right? When it's redraft. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, love it. I, I, I can get on board with that. Friday Night Lights: the movie or the series?
1: I've actually never seen the series, so I feel like by default I have to say movie.
0: The movie is like ten times better. I've seen both, and I could only watch like the first. I think I watched like at the, at the most, I watched the first season of the series and it was just, it didn't do it for me, but it's, it's all right. I think that most people who watch the movie first will say something similar, like, Oh yeah, the movie's better. But I think it just depends what you watch first, but I'm down with that. Okay. So here's the ultimate question. Really Lamar Mahomes, who are you going? And we're going to, we're going to frame it as fantasy. So Lamar Mahomes and fantasy in our standard redraft and Lamar Mahomes to build a franchise.
1: All right. For me, Lamar in redraft, the rushing is just insane. Um, In terms of building a franchise around, it's Mahomes easily for me. I just think that he profiles as someone that's going to be what he is for 10 years. Whereas Lamar, you know, as we've seen with Cam, potentially like things change down the road. Right. So right now it's great with Lamar because he's so young. He's so athletic. He's an absolute monster on the field. Um, is that going to be the same in eight years? I'm not sure with Mahomes, I'm very sure it still will be
0: That's a good answer. I like that. All right. So it's, it's, a uh, it's going to be a good Saturday night, but all your friends are looking at you and they're saying, Matt, you got to pick all the, you got to pick the alcohol. We're going to leave it all in your hands and you need to decide what we're going to drink tonight. What are you reaching for at the liquor store?
1: I mean, it's gotta be the white claw, right? Oh, No, I'm just kidding. Claws. I'm just kidding. Come on, I know um, you drink I was, gonna, I was gonna
0: accept that answer and just sign off there. it's perfect. Okay, okay. I'm I do actually. I do
1: actually drink claws from time to time. <laughs> no, I am gonna go with um, monkey shoulder whiskey. Monkey that is my shoulder. favorite whiskey. Okay. Yes, I am a whiskey uh, drinker. I like whiskey the most. However, that's probably not the best for like a Saturday night party. That's kind of my like watching Sunday night football beverage sure, of choice true. but yeah, um that's that's what i usually reach for at the liquor store
0: that's perfect that's beautiful i can get on board with that i'll drink most things i'm not the biggest fan of whiskey but i can i can dig it um especially if it's good whiskey if it's like you know crap whiskey it's i'm starting to get to the point where i'm you know not a student not a college student who will drink anything that is uh that is under ten dollars uh, those days <laughs> yep. are long behind <laughs> me so i can get on board with that man this is yep, fun we should we should do this again. Um, this was absolutely awesome. I think you gave a lot of great information, um, a different perspective than potentially we probably share a lot of crossover and like followers and listeners. So, um, but I think those who don't follow you or listen to your stuff now hopefully will because you you put out a ton of great stuff over at at RedshirtsFFPod on Twitter, uh, the at the Fantasy PT on Twitter. All of his stuff is over at ballblastfootball.com. He's also the FF Ballers Injury Expert. Thanks again um Dr. Matthew Betts physical therapist for coming on man. Um it was it was a blast.
1: Yeah dude, absolutely happy to do it anytime. Obviously, I when mean, you're one of the good guys in the industry, your content is awesome and definitely support everything you're doing too with Fantasy Points. So, uh keep it up man. The the future is definitely bright.
0: I appreciate that man. Let's go get it. Let's get that money.
1: Yes sir.